0: Amen. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, Matthew, chapter 6. We're in the midst of a time here in the life of our church when we're talking about the future, when we're talking about what we believe God has in store for us as a congregation, as a people, as a church. And so it's an exciting time to be a part of First Baptist Church Goodlettsville. Now, some of you have already received some information. Some of you will be receiving it as you leave. Let me just uh, request that if you have already gotten the brochure and the family devotional guide, that you put it somewhere you will not be tempted to look at it. All right? Some of you, I don't want to be flipping through it. You know, well, he thinks I'm looking at the Bible. Let me just do that. Just put it somewhere you're not tempted to look at it. There'll be plenty of time for you to look at that and to go over that in the future. But we do want everyone here, uh, as you leave today, if you have not already gotten a packet of information with the brochure and the devotional guide, and a letter from myself in there to pick that up as you go. Uh, Make sure you have that. Uh, Gary, you'll explain a little bit about that towards uh, the end of the service, about how you can pick that up and the way they're organized back there if you don't have it yet. If you're a guest, let me tell you that we want you to have some information as well. And so um, you may not have a named one back there if you're a guest visiting with us, but uh, there are packets back there for you to pick up as well. But it's information about what we believe is the next step in following God's plan for this church. And the verse that we've claimed for this time is Isaiah 26, 8, that says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait for you, for your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Now, part of the reason that we're in the midst of this campaign is not just so we can make the building look better. The reason that we're in the midst of talking about some renovation to the church is not just so we can make it look newer. The purpose for all of that is that we believe it is part of God's plan to bring His name glory and to bring His name renown. It is part of God's plan for His people to shout forth His name in this community and in this region and this area. And we believe that God's asking us to step forward in faith to do this in order to continue in that way. And so over the next two or three weeks, what we're going to talk about is In light of that, but not necessarily just for that. Over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to talk about is living lives of generosity. Now, I don't believe that we should live a life of generosity just because it's time to have a capital campaign and it's time to think about giving to that. That's not the reason that we need to live lives of generosity. I don't believe we need to live lives of generosity just because it's... uh, the time for us to talk about buildings or programs or church budgets or any of that. I believe in living a life of generosity because that's what the Lord has called us to do. And so today we're going to begin the process of talking about that. And what I'm going to ask you to say yes, Lord, to today is to say yes, Lord, to a life of generosity. It's simply saying yes, Lord, to a life of generosity. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, has this in Jesus' famous sermon on the mount. He is talking to the people that have gathered there, and he's gone through a a whole list of instructions about things that are blessed and things that are not. He's gone through a list of, of the law of the land and how he is reinterpreting it. And in verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth And rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This morning we're going to look at a couple of things out of that passage, and a couple of things that kind of have. Uh, that are in the passage, but we're going to look at them from a broader biblical perspective. And the whole point today is to talk about being able to live our lives where we hold on to our stuff very loosely. A a quote that I've been reminded of of again this week is by a guy named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary who was a missionary in South America to the tribal uh, region down there was a, a part of a group of people that went in to share the gospel with tribes that had never heard the gospel before. And in the midst of that missionary life, Jim Elliot literally lost his life. They found his journals, his wife Elizabeth, I kind of carried on some writing after that, but Jim in his writings in his journal one time wrote this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now, Jim's whole point there literally is that there is no reason for us to hold on to stuff because we can't keep it. Yesterday, we did a car wash for Brazil. Some of you were a part of that. Some of you came by. Um, some of you may have seen at a distance we were doing a car wash as you were stuck in traffic out here. Anybody love that traffic yesterday out on 65? Uh, we uh, uh, we cooked dinner last night via Cracker Barrel, and... Uh, that means Cracker Barrel cooked for us. We, I went to pick it up. We went and picked it up. We didn't eat there, so it's not like you know, we really had Cracker Barrel. We just brought it to our house. And I went in, and some lady had been in in traffic for two hours. Two hours. Stopped and ate and then went on up, and they were she was excited about getting back on the road. But yesterday we had the car wash, and some of you brought your cars. And this is what I discovered yesterday in the car wash. Some of you have some really nice vehicles. I had to remind myself of the Ten Commandments at time. There is that part about coveting as you got in and, you know, you could all the fancy stuff you saw. And here's another thing I noticed is some people that brought their cars yesterday, some of them do not have very nice cars. And I got to thinking about this last night. I probably should have been thinking about the money that was raised for Brazil and all the good that it's going to do, but I was thinking about the cars, all right? And I got to thinking, you know, in 15 years, none of those cars will be nice, right? And the truth is, in our world, you buy something today, and two years from now, it's no longer nice. Six weeks from now, it's no longer nice, right? I mean, it seems like every couple of months, they come out with the next big thing that's supposed to do away with everything else that's been around. And so you realize that stuff is very fleeting, you know, I got to thinking. I've done several funerals in my life. I've never once heard people talk about how good the guy was because how good of a car he had. Oh, Billy John, Bobby Ray, boy, that car he had was great. Now, I'm not saying that stuff's not important, but Jim Elliott's point is all of that stuff is going right. I think I've told you this before, but one of the funniest sights I ever saw was driving in Ripley where I used to pastor and I drove by the funeral home that was out on the bypass and right behind the hearse looked like attached to the hearse was a bass boat. And I thought, now what good is that going to do whoever's in that hearse that their bass boat is tied to the back of it? Always, you know, there's that joke that you don't ever see a U-Haul behind a hearse. I've never seen a U-Haul, but I have seen a bass boat. But the point is, all of that is stuff. And I don't want to depress you this morning, but Everyone in this room, if the Lord tarries, if he waits, everyone's going to die. And when you die, no matter what they put with you in the casket, it's not going with you. Can we all agree on that? Okay. And so Jim Elliott says, it's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep anyways to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus told a parable one time, just a one-sentence parable that said that there was a man, that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who was in a field, discovered a treasure, and went and sold everything he had to not just go back and get the treasure, but to buy the field. And the point of that is you and I understand what most of the world does not, is that there is something that we can gain on this earth that we cannot lose. And if you and I are believers in Jesus, what it tells us is we are that man who has stumbled upon a treasure in a barren land, and it is our responsibility to do everything we can to embrace it and to move forward with it and to proclaim it. In Matthew chapter 6, he says it this way. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I want to give you three things, principles today that help us to understand why we need to live a generous life. And the first one is this, is that we must understand that our generosity flows directly out of understanding God. And what I mean by that is Jesus can stand before these people and tell them to store up treasures in heaven and not to worry about the stuff of earth because that's exactly the kind of God God is. He is a God that is continually Giving, The first verse that many of us in this room that learned verses growing up learned was John 3, 16, right? And it says in there, for God so loved the world that he kept. Is that what it says? That he hoarded. Is that what it says? That he stuck in a savings account. Is that what it says? What does it say? That he gave. Scripture in the verse that most people, there are people in this world that have never stepped foot in a church that have heard for God to love the world that he gave. And the point of that is that God is in his nature a giver, not a taker. And the truth is, as believers, as Christians, we are to be givers and not takers. Second thing, not the second principle, but under this one about God, is not just that God just kind of gives. God gives continually and lavishly. He gives more than we can expect. He gets more than sometimes we can do anything with. I read this week uh, about a book that's out by a photographer. I haven't read the book, and so I um, I don't know the validity of how good of a book it is. But it's a book where a guy traveled the world, and he had people bring all of their stuff in their house and put it on their front lawn. And then he took a picture of them with their stuff on the front lawn. And he went to Malaysia and Africa and China and South America and Japan and the United States. Now, I only saw the name of the book, I think, is Material World. I only saw a couple of pictures, and I don't really want to see the book because I know what the book's going to look like. Don't you? I mean, I saw a couple of pictures. I saw um, an African nation, and I believe it was India, and it was people literally that were standing in front of a hut with a table and some bowls and what looked like a piece of cookware. And that was it. What would your picture look like? I mean, I don't know that we could get our stuff in the front lawn. Right? What would your picture look like. Now, I don't say that to make you feel guilty about how much stuff you have, but I say it to say that God has blessed even those of us in this room that sometimes concern ourselves with what we don't have. He's blessed us beyond what we could imagine. And God is a God that generously gives. When you look in the book of James, it tells us that every good gift, not some good gifts, not a portion of good gifts, but every good gift comes from above. Every one of them. And so we know that God is a giving, generous God. Now, think about this. We sometimes talk about giving or spending our things on, spending our money or our time or our talent on things that deserve it. Well, the truth is, God gives generously in spite of the fact that none of us deserve it, He just gives. So the second thing that we need to understand is that not only our generosity flows from God, but that living a generous life is the smartest way to live. Living a generous life is the smartest way to live. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons for that in a minute, but the truth is there is no smarter way on this world to live than to be generous with your time, with your talent, and with your treasure. First of all, generosity is the smartest way to live in the present, right now. Now we're going to get to a Bible verse in a minute that confirms this. But just our, a couple of things before we get there. Observation just confirms this. How many of you have ever seen the movie or read the book A Christmas Carol? I'll see your hands. All right. Who's the main character of A Christmas Carol? Scrooge. You may remember his first name, Ebenezer. Right. There's a there's a classic hymn that in there says, Here I Raise my Ebenezer. When I was a kid, I thought that song was about a Christmas carol. Um, I know. Some of you didn't. That's okay. But I did. But Ebenezer Scrooge is a terrible old man, right, at the beginning of the story. We're not talking about at the end, but at the terrible old man. I I don't know anybody that says to themselves, that is exactly who I want to grow up and be like. I want to be like Scrooge. Now, if you do, you might not want to admit that right now, all right? But if nobody says, that's who I want to be like. I want to hoard all everything. Anybody watch the show? Uh, I believe it's called Hoarders. May seen that show? None of those people we think, boy, well, those people, we ought to be just like them. I mean, we realize that giving it away is the right thing to do. Uh, our experience confirms that. Uh, I read this week about um, a little boy named Timmy and a pastor. The pastor said that, that Timmy one day was out in the hallway and had a package of Smarties. Anybody here like Smarties? I do, yeah. They're good. So you get the Smarties and you roll them up, and uh, this pastor was out in the hallway, and this little boy walked up and he had the Smarties, and he said, uh, he was looking at him, and the pastor said to little Timmy, Hey, can I have a Smartie? Without even thinking, little Timmy just took one out and gave it to the pastor and kept on walking. Pastor said that he didn't think anything about it. It's kind of cool. He said, I actually was joking. He didn't have to give me one, but he did. He said, next week, little Timmy walked in, and he handed him a Smartie. First thing, he said, here's your Smartie. The next week, he walked in, handed him another Smartie. He said, for about two years, every week, Timmy brought me a Smartie. He said, now, some weeks, the Smartie had lint and paper and all kinds of stuff on it. And I'd say, now, Timmy, where's, what's up with the Smartie? And he'd say, well, I got a package of Smarties on Tuesday, and I got one out for you. He said he began to notice that he and Timmy were having these special little moments, that every Sunday he would look forward to a single little piece of candy from a little boy. He said towards the uh, end of the time when Timmy was getting Smarties every week and doing this, his mom came up to him and she said, you know, this week um, uh, I, I just decided I would count the Smarties. And she said, I realized that in every package of Smarties he was getting, there were 10 Pieces of candy and that Timmy was tithing his smarties to you. Now here's the thing. if you all want to bring me smarties next week, that's okay that's not that's not the point of that. The point of that is that we inherently know that's being, that's a good thing to do, right? I was thinking this week that even our society knows this that they call the month of December the most wonderful time, of year, and part of the reason I believe Christmas is such a special time is because we're thinking about what we can give. Now, when I was growing up, I remember um, somebody telling me, and I don't remember who it was, that we were talking about Christmas, and they said to me, "When you're a parent, you'll enjoy Christmas much more than you were a kid." I was like, "There is no way, right? Absolutely no way." And here's the thing: I love. Christmas. And growing up as a kid, when I got Castle Grayskull from He-Man, or I got the first Nintendo system that ever came out on Christmas, it was an unbelievable time, all right? But what I enjoy more than any of that is watching my kids get gifts at Christmas. It is unbelievable. So we know that naturally. But here's a scripture verse I found this week that I like, and it says this, A generous man will prosper. Now, let me tell you an interesting little thing there. The word prosper there is not what the word actually means. If you look in the original language, what that says is, A generous man will be fat. Okay? Now, for us, well, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. In their day and time, if you were fat, it meant you had a lot of money. Because you had plenty of food. Right? And when we go to places where we've been on mission trips where they don't have food readily available, being overweight is not necessarily an issue for most of the people. And so when it said a generous man will be fat, it meant prosperous, great, he will have great things. It says he who refreshes others will be refreshed. And so the idea there literally is that the Scripture teaches that we are to give freely from what we have so that we might enjoy the best life possible. For the uh, first time this week, I noticed something. The word miserable, if you take the first five letters of miserable, what is it? Miser. M-I-S-E-R. What's a miser? Somebody that hoards money, right? Well, it works the same way with misery, right? First five letters of misery is miser. And the truth is, some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life are misers. People that don't give freely of their time, of their talent, of their treasure. Here's the second thing. Not only is it the smartest way to live now, but it is the smartest way to live for eternity. Jesus says it this way. Don't store for yourself treasures here. Why? Because stuff's going to happen. You know, just, uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but just in my own life in the last few months, we, we've had an air conditioner go down. We've had a, a sewage system problem. We've now got a problem with, with air conditioning on our van. It's just, you know, one thing after another because stuff just breaks. It just happens. I know I've heard even from some of you since we started this idea of going forward and doing a capital campaign that everything is broken loose in your life. Stuff just happening. Well, stuff breaks down. It says don't invest all your stuff in the stuff that's going to break down. Uh, some of you don't care about the stock market, but I thought it was an interesting thing this week that people were almost cheering that the stock market was at 11000 Now, for those of you that don't know anything about it, just zone out for like 30 seconds, okay? What's amazing is if you would have told somebody two years ago that they would be excited about the stock market being there, they would have thought you were crazy. Because at that time, it was at fourteen thousand but that stuff just goes away and so you don't invest in those things but look at verse 20 you don't store up treasures there but you do store up yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust they don't destroy thieves don't break in and steal the idea there literally is that you do all you can to invest in the kingdom of god because in the kingdom of god is a sure investment Now, I do not believe that our actions or our behavior here on earth does anything for our salvation in heaven. I believe that Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross, that he died for our sins, and that the resurrection proved the power he has to save us. And so our actions, behavior here on earth doesn't do anything to buy our salvation. But I do believe this, that we have rewards in heaven based on how we live our lives here on earth. And let me just suggest this to you. If we live as normal American Christians, we are going to be some of the poorest people in heaven. Now, here's this. The poorest people in heaven are better off than anybody has ever been on the face of the earth. All right? But we're still not going to understand the full reward that God has because we've invested so much stuff in our lives instead of in the things in the kingdom of God. Generosity is the smartest way to live for eternity. We need to invest our lives in the things that matter. Here's the third principle today. Our heart always goes where we put God's time, talents, and treasure. Verse 21. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be. Let me tell you what is interesting about that passage of scripture, and I don't know why this happened, but for the first 15 or 20 years of my life, first 15 years of me seeking out God, verse 21, I always thought it read, For where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That's not what it says, is it? It doesn't say that our heart, where our heart is, there our treasure will be. It's an important distinction. What does it say? It says, Where our Treasure is there, our heart will be. The idea literally is not that our giving follows our heart, it's that our heart follows our giving. Now, that's, I know some of you are like, okay, the big deal. That's a big deal, all right? The idea literally is it's kind of like in a marriage relationship. A few weeks ago we talked about that the world teaches us to marry the one we love and Scripture teaches us to love the one we marry. The idea is that if you begin to love the one you marry, then the rewards will follow from that. The idea here literally is you begin to invest in the kingdom of God and your heart will follow your investment. Part of the reason that I believe that international mission trips to Chile or to Brazil or to other places Part of the reason that even youth mission trips or adult mission trips, part of the reason that God speaks so directly on those trips is because we've already invested so much in them that our heart naturally follows. That it's not that we're having to conjure up stuff, it's that we've already put it in. Let me tell you this, by the time we get on the plane to go to Brazil, you have invested so much into that thing that it is going to work. Those of you that have been, amen? Amen. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. All right, because you put too much in it. The truth is, one of the things that I reasons I believe, and this is an amazing thing, that when churches begin to do what we're talking about doing, capital campaigns, building, it's not so much that the building itself changes anything. It's that the people in this place have suddenly invested so much of who they are into it that they care deeply about what's going on. And so our heart follows our treasure so here's the thing some of you say i don't know how to give i don't know how to how to i don't know what i'm supposed to here's the thing you begin to give and god will push your heart where it needs to go you begin to give and god will push you in the direction he intends you to go where your treasure is there will your heart be also here's what i'm asking for you today and not because it's a campaign and not because it's time to look at renovating the building, none of that. I'm just asking this of you for your lifestyle. Is that are you willing to live a generous life? Now over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk more in detail about how that plays out. But a couple of questions I want to ask you right now, if you were to investigate your treasure, your stuff, If I were to do an inventory of your room or your house or your checkbook, if I were to do an inventory of how you spend your time, if I were to do an inventory of how you invest your talents, let me ask you this question. Where would it say your heart is? Where would it say? And when you look at that, ask yourself the question, what in your life are you not investing in that you should be for the kingdom of God? I'm not asking you to pick out new, new uh, mutual funds or stockbrokers. I'm saying for the kingdom of God, where should you be investing that you're not? And as you begin to ask that question, I want you to pray that God will begin to steer your treasure that will take your heart there. In that last point that was up there, there was a specific word in there, and it was that our heart follows where we spend God's time, talent, and treasure. The truth is, everything we have is from Him. It's His anyways, so it's not ours to decide. The question is, will you follow the guidance He's going to give?